Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. everybody, it's Wednesday, January 16th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Aloha. And our favorite Canuck, Stephanie Cook. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another week in their podcast. This week, we figured we would have to talk about the astounding amount of news that has come through and come down the pipeline um, this week already. So lots of cancellations, new teams, new books uh, to talk about this week. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, our book of the week segment. Uh, I just want to say, I saw, we were talking about this a little off mic. We talked about it a little last week. I saw Looper. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is eerily like, the, the person who's least, least looks like Bruce Willis, but is the most like Bruce Willis in the entire world in that movie. I thought he kind of looked like him. He did because they put the prosthetics in, but I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt on his own doesn't look anything like Bruce Willis, but they, they put like that nose on him and stuff. Oh, they, they did. So that was yeah. all... Oh, yeah. so they cheated. Well, there's like five hours of prosthetics or something that he had to go through. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was I was thinking he looked different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, the illusion is shattered. He no, just grew awesome. up really eerily quickly to look a lot like Bruce Willis yeah. if he was young and not bald. Oh, so good, though. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it yet. I have the Blu-ray of it sitting on my desk, but I haven't gotten around to it. It's pretty great, and it does a lot of really intelligent things with the time travel idea and kind of, you know, how can you change things, you know, different perspectives, all this stuff. And the thing about Joseph Levitt is you close your eyes and you hear him talk, and he sounds exactly like him. Yep. But it's not an impression. He's not doing an impression of Bruce Willis. But you just it, it's uncanny. Uh, it was great. I still like the movies. I saw Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's which is, so good. Which is pretty awesome. Um, Christoph Waltz was great. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic in that movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx is very good as well. He's just not as showy a role as those other guys. <laughs> but Samuel L. Jackson is hilarious in the movie. Mm-hmm. And just... Great. I mean, it's one of those performances. He's a weird guy, right? Because he's in like every movie that gets made, mm-hmm. and he will do anything. It doesn't matter. But when he gets in the right movie, the right part, he j- he's just fantastic. Um, and this movie, he especially was. I like him. I, like I him love the scene. Like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I'll, I'll just say this general moment. But like, one of my favorite scenes was with like the Western cowboy equivalent to like the KKK. Oh yeah, it's a good. It's a and good like, uh, scene. Jonah Hill's in it, and mm-hmm. oh, if you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if yeah. you haven't, when you do see it, you'll be like, "That's it." Yeah. That's and like it's every, everybody hilarious. 
coming back from the Batman movie. They're like, oh, magic trick. Magic <laughs> trick, dude. It's the best scene. Uh, there's a few things. Like, Walton Goggins is in it. Uh, and he's oddly used. I think there's a, his part used to be, you know, at one point, Kevin Costner was supposed to be in the movie and Kurt Russell. And they were playing two different characters. And they both couldn't do the movie because of scheduling. And then when they dropped out, he combined them into one role and then, like, seriously cut that role down. So I don't know if there's stuff on the cutting room floor or what have you, but it, it's just a kind of a weirdly high profile. Now, he's not super high profile, but he's a pretty big TV star, you know, justified the shield to be in a very small kind of different oh, role. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit bizarre. Um, that was a little bit strange. Uh, but other than that, the, I think the first 30 minutes has a couple issues. But other than that, it's a great movie and great dialogue and absolutely worth seeing. Uh, and then I also saw I saw Les Mis on Sunday. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah, I did. Whoa, she, she says, "Eh, uh, you know, it's very much the the show in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it's a movie, and, and it, it's a very well made movie and a big, epically, you know, epic scope movie. It doesn't feel like you're watching a stage play, but it, it very much keeps everything about that stage play. So if you do not like that stage play, you're probably not going to like the movie. Um, you know, I'm it's still. A, I feel like it's way overrated. It's still I, an up. Op- I mean, it's one of my I favorite really... musicals. So." Pardon? It's one of my favorite musicals. So I haven't seen the original. Like mm-hmm. I love musicals, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I really felt that a lot of people give it an unjust amount of love. <laughs> like, um, was everybody? Could anyone else hear screeching cats when Russell Crowe sang? It wasn't like, screeching cats. Meow, Come on, you're being meow, a little harsh. Meow, he's meow, definitely meow. He's, like it was the worst. <laughs> no, it's and it's definitely it's he's definitely I think the weakest part of the movie. Meow. He does not have a big enough voice to play that role because it's a very big voiced role. Um, he's nothing compared to the the two what um, Pierce Brosnan and uh, what's his name and Mamma Mia. Which are like it, which is some of the worst singing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you can't so- compare that. That was fucking awful. That yeah, was terrible. So, uh, I mean, I'm not was- comparing those. Those were their own monsters. But yeah. hey, Hollywood, here's a thought: hire people who can fucking sing. Well, uh, but other than him, I mean, he can sing, but he's like a rock singer. You know, he's not a I'm gonna mm-hmm. sing an operetta singer. You well, know, he, he trained I think for four months for that role in 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 uh, singing lessons or whatever. And I I think that in, in the instant. Because it's not Beretta, so it's just about everything is sung. Like there's not, ve- there's very few spoken dialogue lines, and I think the incidental singing, I think he's fine, and I think some of like the less bigger range songs are fine. But no matter how m- much singing lessons you take, there's only you can't get right. to be you know a Broadway star in four months. I'll do it. Um, Definitely wasn't as bad as Pierce Brosnan. I'll no, give you that. no, he was not. I um, mean, it had its moments. I thought Anne Hathaway was really good. Um, she is. And Hugh Jackman. I mean, he started off on like in musicals yes. and such yeah so i mean he's he was made for this he but was made for it i don't know i just felt like it was really overrated i feel like it would have been i feel like i would have enjoyed it more on the stage I, I, and just not have seen the movie um well i will say this uh hugh jackman is great and it, i think the decision that tom hooper made and we'll get to this really quickly because obviously it's not a movie podcast um <laughs> to have them sing on set and not do like in the studio and then do playback works for the very emotional scenes because the Anne Hathaway scene it's one shot and it's one shot value it's like a, it's like a mid shot and she's just having a breakdown like right in front of you while she's singing and you cannot get away from the emotion you know and it's a really brave choice um 
I, whatever you think about musicals, I, you might not like it because you don't like musicals, but the way he shot it, he shot it all in wide lenses, and it's like this really interesting filmmaking style that I've I really have never seen in, in a movie movie musical before. Hmm. So, if, if our, from a purely like academic directorial perspective, I think it's a really cool thing to study. But um, so it was I, a good week for movies for me. Sorry, yeah, Stephanie, go ahead. I, just quickly too, Anne Hathaway in her promotion for the movie too, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Some guy I guess asked her about like how much weight. He's like, how'd you lose all that weight? And like asking for like tips. And she was like, I'm not gonna tell you that. That is not something I want girls to aspire to. I did that oh. to look like I was starving to yeah. death. She's like, that is not something I want girls to mm-hmm. look like. Yeah. She's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And I was like, fucking Radian Hathaway. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's looking like a look like a dying French whore. So I don't yeah. think that's... <laughs> no. She did that with like Catwoman too. This guy was like, how'd you lose all that weight? And she's like, why are you asking me that? You want to fit in a cat suit? <laughs> and I was like, you are like my hero? I saw The Hobbit. You did? You did? Did yes, you like it? I did. It's I thought so it was pretty. excellent. I thought it was Leap excellent. Pace on an elk. <laughs> <laughs> so majestic. Um, yeah, but it's like the same majestic. people who call Jennifer Lawrence fat. You know, uh, they can bite uh, me. It's ridiculous. All right, so enough of movies. Let's move on to comic books. Let's do our book of the week. Um, Steve, why don't you start us out? You've got a, you've got a pulpery of such. I've got. I, should I start with sadness or should I start with something light and airy? You got a lot of sadness there, don't you? A little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like not... sadness. I might cry. <laughs> All right. Um, well, as many people know, sadly, Jeff Lemire's series Sweet Tooth came to a close with number 40, its final issue. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, there's a full-blown review of it up on the Talking Comic Books website. But just to say a few words about it, to anybody that hasn't read Sweet Tooth, I highly recommend it. Uh, If you're a fan at all of Jeff Lemire and you like his emotionally driven storytelling and just very heartfelt characters and tragic, tragic final pages (laughs) of just about anything this guy does, uh, Sweet Tooth is no different, but is different in a sense that this has been 40 issues of something. This has been probably the biggest work that he's done Mm -hmm. to date, right? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely as long as ongoing, yeah. So... The thing that was particularly good about this final issue, there's final issues where things just end, and then there are final issues where they tell you almost an entirely other story altogether. And one of the things about this was that it's a, I think it's like a double issue or maybe like an issue and a half. It's got a couple extra pages to it. And within those pages, you get to see the entire duration of Gus's life. Like you get to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not expect that. When I saw him as an old man on the cover, I figured it would just be like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. He crammed a lot of story into this final issue, and you get to see all of it. And it, it was so satisfying that it felt almost like if they did a volume two, or but it was just one mm-hmm. one solitary comic managed to cover that much ground and that much of an aftermath to the events and you really thought about the human characters in the book and your your disgust with them and your understanding for the way things turned out like i accepted it fully mm-hmm. and i'm a human being <laughs> so uh really 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 great stuff i've uh, if you haven't read it i highly recommend it and the one other thing 
I know I talk about this a lot on the show, but I've never read these before. Uh, over the past two days, I finally, finally, I read volumes one through four of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. Uh, it was really cool because I, I started with FF and I started with Fantastic Four's number 600. So I kind of got to witness the aftermath to all of the events that happened in these volumes. So I never got to see how certain characters went away, mm-hmm. how certain conflicts began, uh, why people were in a position of power that had no idea how they got there. Uh, it's probably the single best thing that I've ever read. I know wow. I said that. I know mm-hmm. I say that a lot, but I like this week. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the to see something to see an end to somebody or to see the end of a character that is very beloved, mm-hmm. and to not have it be for one particular thing but to have it be for a multitude of things and to be able to point the finger around the room if all the characters in the book were standing in a room that you could almost point each and every one of them out and say well this was your fault that was your fault you weren't there you you know you did this you did that you lied you backstabbed and you just wanted you wanted everything to be better and you made it worse and to see how all of that came about was a huge, huge journey for me, comic book reading wise. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've been doing this for a little bit, you know, a year and a half straight. Mm-hmm. And there are stories that just, they kill you and they, they slam you with how just ridiculously epic they are. And this has been the thing for me that going back, I mean, Bob got mm-hmm. me into these characters that this is the only run that I've read and I am going back. But for this to start me off and to see what he's done with it, the entire thing, is really something to to show people and to and to say, you know, if you like cosmic, if you like big, this this is just it's just awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And it's all the things that you know we talk about on the show all the time. So that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say about it. Cool, uh, truly amazing stuff, though. Awesome, awesome. Um, Stephanie, what about you? Um, so I'm diving back into the archives. <laughs> and um, I finally got around to reading The Umbrella Academy. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you, any of you guys have read that before. I know who, I know it's from the dude from My Chemical Romance, but I've yeah. never got to oh, read it. Yeah, and arts, Gabriel Ba. Mm-hmm. And um, I avoided this series for I don't know how long because um, I assumed, like, with the title Umbrella Academy, I kind of thought it was like a companion to his music. Like I, I didn't. I thought it was maybe like something to do with like his fans or something, and he had just like created this world out of like that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So you started yeah. reading it when they made the Black Parade, which was the ultimately better album. Well, I I didn't listen to them. That album's I, I, I listened to like good. a couple of songs that like Helena, yeah. Helena, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I never really got into them, and I avoided this because I didn't know anything about it, and mm-hmm. I just assumed it was because Jared Way was attached to it that it was going to be like this sort of emo comic that I would just not enjoy. And um, this is the reason why we should look into things <laughs> and like learn our facts before we you know, judge. <laughs> Anyways, so I couldn't have been further from being wrong. Um, I'd mentioned it to um, the owner of the Silver Snail, George, and he was like, no. No, it's awesome. It is awesome stuff. You need to read it. So I did. <laughs> Spoilers. Anyways, um, and it's just like incredible. It's incredible. James Jean, who um, does like the Fables covers, or did the Fables covers rather, uh, does the covers for the book, and it's just 
beautiful. It kind of looks like this. It almost looks kind of like Hellboy, the art for Hellboy. Okay. Um, and the story is this just kind of like strange superhero story where like around the world, um, all these women inexplicably give birth. They've never shown signs of pregnancy. They weren't pregnant. They just like spontaneously gave birth. And um, a lot of the babies died. But oh, this... lovely. Pardon? Lovely. Well, uh, people thought they were like people in like weird countries, I guess, like thought they were like demons or something and just like, you know, were freaked out and killed them. But whatever. Anyways. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> started, whatever. That's not a whatever. A lot more died. like my Calm down. <laughs> Anyways. Nah. So, like, this inventor like adopts seven of the children. And basically when he kind of is asked why he's adopted these like freak babies he's like to save the world and so the first volume of the story focuses on the kids growing up and we learn that they have like superpowers and um it's just really neat and the story is really 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 well done really really well done um wascally wabbits (laughs) (laughs) um and it's just i i couldn't believe how much i enjoyed it and um Again, the art's fantastic. The story is surprisingly incredible. And I'm actually really surprised that Jared Way hasn't done more in comics after this because it's pretty decent. You re- you really liked it. Yeah, he uh, really, really liked it. He was recently on um, Smodcast with Kevin Smith. They were ah. because he um, his daughter was a big fan of theirs and he became a big fan of theirs. And he actually went to school for graphic design yeah. he, wa- he wanted to be a comic book artist yeah, yeah, yeah. first yeah this is what george told me at the silver snail too mm-hmm. he's like he actually didn't like comics was his thing and it just so happened that my chemical romance took off before his comic book career did yeah and i thought that was really neat i know he's like really close with uh grant morrison and was a big part of morrison con and mm-hmm. um i i'm just really shocked i really actually i haven't read the second volume yet i'm kind of pacing myself because there's nothing else after it as of yet um but it's totally worth a read i mean i'm pretty sure you can get them the volumes pretty cheap nowadays mm-hmm. it's been out for a while and it's wonderful it's seriously so great it's a bit like i mean it has moments where it's really graphic um so i mean as long as you're okay with that mm-hmm. definitely 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 read it yeah, he is, actually has. I mean, I just this just got announced. I think recently, um, he has another book coming out. Uh, this one is actually it's inspired by uh, their latest album, like the the Danger Days album. Oh, like, they have another album. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Becky Cloonan is is the artist on it. Neat. So That's very cool. Yeah. I I don't know how I'd feel about it being tied into the music, which is like kind of why I avoided it to begin with. But I definitely would try it out because he seems like a really decent writer yeah uh you know their stuff is interesting because their early stuff is definitely very emo ish Mm -hmm. yeah but as once the black parade hit they kind of transitioned away from that a lot more i mean their his voice is still very much of that ilk you know he has a kind of a screamy you know slightly whiny voice but their Mm. lyrics aren't so much about those things anymore um the black parade kind of reminded me a little bit of um american idiot yeah absolutely where green day came back with that album and as as a whole Mm -hmm. from beginning to end that album was really it was really good yeah yeah same i mean i didn't even i didn't like my chemical romance at all if you told me to listen to it i would have laughed at you yeah 
And then I forget, um, I was working at a guitar shop and somebody gave me the album where I put it on on the computer. Mm -hmm. And I, by the end of the day, I was like, wow, I'm like, this is really impressive. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to read the comic to the record or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are available from Amazon for about 12 bucks or 650 if you get them used. Nice. So there's no excuses. With the albums or the... the no, the volumes of Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. Which, like which I still think sounds like an anime. It struck me that it was out of uh, Resident Evil, but that's yeah. just me. <laughs> hey, there you go. No, that's cool, though. I, I'm glad that you liked it because I've been actually wanting to check that out for a while. I always see the um, the figures from the series in the comic shops around here, mm -hmm. and uh, I like the excuse me the look of it, so I will yeah, check it I, out. I read it over Christmas. I mean, it's pretty far from a seasonal title, but <laughs> not particularly jolly, but it, it was just so shockingly good. I mean... Maybe I'm kind of setting the bar really high for it because I didn't have any expectations for it whatsoever, aside mm -hmm. from just kind of being like, eh. but I really enjoyed it. And maybe it was a surprise that made it so good for me. But um, I definitely, again, recommend it. The best twelve dollars you'll ever spend. <laughs> yeah. Nothing better than getting surprised in yeah. a good yeah, way. I mean, yeah. that that's all I can ask for. I mean, there's so many books that are beyond predictable, and that's OK sometimes. Like, there's nothing wrong with it being predictable if it's fun and it's well-written and all that stuff. It can still make it great, but when it just comes out of nowhere and you're like, this freaking rocked. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great feeling to kind of discover something that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That is a good quote. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it feels um, great to discover something awesome. Like They should put that on the book. Um, <laughs> all right so uh anything else you want to talk about um no, I'm a, no. <laughs> oh that sounds like there was a something no. there go for it go ahead no no I, I i'm a little bit behind right now um i well you'll find out probably on twitter that i lost like all my comics just now <laughs> off my ipad but yeah i mean i've just been reading game of thrones so aside oh. from umbrella academy i mean Nice, nice. All right. Um, so then I'm gonna go. Um, well, first of all, first of all, uh, we're gonna talk about Superior Spider-Man uh, after at the end of the show after we play the music because we're gonna get very spoilery. We promised last week that we'd do mm -hmm. it, so um, that's gonna be the end of the show. So look for that. I, I think people who haven't read it yet and don't want to get spoiled. Shorthand is. I, I think we're all kind of lukewarm about it at the moment, yeah, mm -hmm. but having Accurate. faith in Dan Slott because yeah, of what's completely. come before. So, but beautiful art. I will say that that's, you know, you get, uh, I think Ryan Segman does a great job. Uh, but uh, my actual book of the week is uh, Star Wars number one uh, by Brian Wood. And I've been excited about this for a while. It takes place. I was excited about it. And then when I heard the exact timing of it, got a little bit, I, I guess I got a bad feeling in my stomach because it's between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, so it, it's as it's like basically the actual sequel to Star Wars. You know, it's nothing has happened other than they've just bumped the Death Star, and this is kind of the the aftermath of that. Spoilers if you haven't yeah. seen Star Wars. <gasps> um, <laughs> so you know this this book picks up with Luke and Leia trying to figure out and hunting for a new planet to be the rebel base. And, you know, they're in deep space. You know, they're sitting there talking on this planet, having a conversation, and they get surprised 
by the Empire who obviously knows they're there. And that kind of leads to this idea that there's got to be some sort of spy or mole in the organization mm-hmm. because they came out of orbit ready to attack. It wasn't even that they came out, saw them, and then went to attack. So we've got that mystery set up. Um, we've got, you know, Han being a rogue and doing, you know, his thing and being upset that he can't smuggle anymore mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff. Uh, and we get a couple of uh, really great scene uh, with the Imperial side of things with Darth Vader and the Emperor. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I, I think that Brian Wood, he nails the voices very, very well here. You know, um, it's very important. I think these are obviously incredibly iconic uh, uh, characters and, you know, actors who have played these people. When I'm reading his Han Solo, I, I can hear Harrison Ford you know, in my head. And I think that's very important here. It's also really cool. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed expanded universe stuff from Star Wars before. And this is the kind of stuff I like. I like exploring the kind of other niche parts of the universe. Like this in between time is, is cool to me because, you know, how do they end up going from blowing up the Death Star and having no base and ending up on Hoth at the beginning of, empire where they're found immediately so there's got to be something happens in the interim there i love this idea that the emperor is pissed at darth vader for what happened uh you know at at the death star cost me trillions of credits yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and as we know from the u.s government this week it would have cost like 850 quadrillion dollars to make a death star so there was inflation there's inflation it's true (laughs) uh for everybody who hasn't seen it, I don't think we talked about it last week because I think it happened in between the shows, yeah. but there was this online petition for the government, the U.S. government to build a Death Star, and yeah. and the White House responded with a letter saying why they wouldn't build a Death Star. And, it, and it's called, This Is Not the Petition You Were Looking For, or whatever. <laughs> there's a lot of Star Revenge. It's a really clever letter, so you look it up if you haven't read it. But It's uh, funny. The book was... Re- it got me excited for the next issue. Uh, um... I, I, I like the way it looks. I mean, I, I don't think the art is spectacular, but I think it does a good job. And, you know, th- this is always a tricky area to kind of play in. Uh, such a huge property and such a property that's loved by so many people. And I completely dug it. I know, uh, Steve, you read it, right? Yeah. Uh, this is my first Star Wars anything okay. outside of the films. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to know that it was, I had a frame of reference as to when it happened, when I found out that it was post Death Star, I was like, "Ooh, something I could actually, you know, pick up on." Um, I know there's been a lot of stuff outside of the the films, and they've mm-hmm. gone way into the future. So it was comforting to know that I could jump in. I like the focus on or the the badass ness of Leia's character. Yeah, yeah. I think Absolutely. it's really cool that she's taking almost a center stage. Mm-hmm. It seems, or at least in this issue, she definitely did. Uh, and just reaffirms the fact that she can handle herself and she's, you know, she, I, I think it's cool that she's, um, I guess, was she the ambassador or something? Well, yeah. Senator. Yeah. Senator. Yeah. She's a senator. Oh, she's, okay. So yeah. she's, she's Senator. So she's a government figure. Mm-hmm. She stands for her people, but she's also in the shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's cool. It's kind of a, like a dual, I don't want people to know I'm up here because when I'm when I'm in action and when I'm when I'm in danger is when I can relax mm-hmm. is basically what she says. It's all the government stuff that exhausts her. Yeah. So I like I liked that right off the bat. I just I like that attitude. I thought that was kind of neat. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm definitely excited to 
see a little bit more of it. I like Brian Wood. I like his his writing, and I'm very curious to see what he can do with this. I'm not exactly the biggest Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. so I'm not like squealing about it. But if I'm going to read anything Star Wars, it's not going to be a novel. It's not going to be, you know, Vader's fist from the negative zone times five. It's going to be Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got to say. And, about and that. this is in the classic period. Yeah. We're not into the prequels or whatever you want to say, or like you say, mm-hmm. thousands of years in the future. Leo, definitely, there's a sequence where one of the other commanders is giving her grief. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you don't do this, you don't do that, and then Luke sets him right. Yeah, well, she just shot down a ship and then shot the guy on the yeah. planet, and it's like, yeah, she has got the right, and he bends to Luke's will. Uh, this, I think the outer space action sequences look really, really good. Mm-hmm. Most of the likenesses are pretty good, but yeah. occasionally they fall apart a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. that's where the art... The Luke one's a little but, weird. Yeah. Uh, but you you just pulled up a Star Destroyer yeah. page, and it is it's just impressive. It's three D almost. You, you mm-hmm. feel yourself being sucked into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great little sequence of uh, the Millennium Falcon going into warp drive. Yeah, and just offhandedly, it's there in that that weird church window, whatever you want to call yeah. the, the turrets out there, and yeah. it looks really nice. I don't read Star Wars comics. I gave up on the movies halfway through the third one. <laughs> This is really, really neat. Unfortunately, this book now goes for like 50 bucks. I'll have to wait for the trade or <laughs> volume two. But uh, if you're a Star Wars fan of the what I would consider the real movies, you should pick this up if you can. And Stephanie, I know you didn't get a chance to read it, did you? I looked through it. Um, I was... I- I tend to visit the Silver Snail for hours at a time on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and uh, they do the reviews on their site as well. So a friend of mine is one of the reviewers, and she, basically every time I go there, she has a big stack of books that she's going through, and um, I had a chance to look through it. And the art is a bit like, it's great, and yet so different from what you would think a Star Wars book would look like. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but... I feel like if you're doing kind of a movie, something that where the characters have already been established mm-hmm. and um, kind of, you, I mean, there's no real imagination to it because you're always going to picture Han Solo as Harrison Ford and Leia as Carrie Fisher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. But it kind of, it kept to those characters and yet made it work with that art style. Like they didn't explicitly try to turn it into... Um, like a likeness of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like no, it's, they still gave it their own spin while giving the characters this, the familiarity that it needed that so that you could look at the page and it would be, Oh, well that's Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't read it, but I had to look through it and I've been hearing nothing but good things about it. And I can't wait. Um, I mean, and speaking of like sci-fi has Brian Wood discovered cloning because Holy shit. How many books does he have coming out this year? He has a lot of books. He's, he has two X-Men titles coming out now? Yeah, he has Ultimate, and um, obviously we're going to talk about just X-Men when we get to the news section. That's crazy! Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Star Wars looks great. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. And I clarify, I think that my problem with the art is the fa- just the fact that the, the, the character depictions are times, because they're going for sort of real people facsimiles i think that's sometimes where it falls apart for me mm. i do like that the darth vader looks like those concept drawings of darth vader you see when they oh, show yeah, you sure the old macquarie drawings. yeah, yeah. When you see the, the yeah he like, looks like macho man like darth vader <laughs> yeah. like if darth vader went to the gym every day yeah looks <laughs> like he's ro- walking down <laughs> the catwalk out. he's like strutting <laughs> no, on that first that, bounty right. Like, dude, dude right said fred style 
What? Right, you said right said. He looks like a right model. said Fred. He's yeah. he's he's walking down a runway in that first panel. He's very like strutish, strutty, strutty, strut like, <laughs> strut like. Oh, Ladies, <laughs> he's poured it on check, thick. Check hey. out, check out my, my Death Star. Shine it today. <laughs> uh, Your helmet is so big. <laughs> So yeah, it is. That's definitely uh, my book of the week. I just want to say quickly about Swamp Thing 16. Uh, we're getting to the end of the Rot World story here. And I, lo- I love the way this this takes place a lot in Gotham. And so we get to see, you know, some surviving people in Gotham. And, uh, you know, Barbara's still around. Uh, the reason why is pretty interesting, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Mm-hmm. And there's at the end of it, there's definitely there's a callback to even kind of a Dark Knight Returns-ish moment. And mm. I won't say which moment, I'm not going to remember on that, but there's a lot of cool callbacks that way, and it builds to a very, very uh, exciting ending, which I think is going to lead into this the, the conclusion next month, and I think it's really going to pay itself off. Is that next one Jeff Lemire's last? No, he's sticking on Animal Man. I don't still, think, okay. He's not leaving Animal Man, I don't okay. think. Um, but uh, They're still crossing though, right? Yeah, they're still okay. crossing. Next week is the end of uh, next month is the end of that. That might be uh, seventeen Snyder's last one. Seventeen might be Snyder's yeah. last okay. book. So that's what it is. It's Scott Snyder's last Swamp Thing. So I saw the art for the new Swamp Thing. Yeah, uh, this morning. Yeah, pretty it's, cool. It's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's it's different, but it's definitely very cool. All right, so those are my books of the week. Bob, close it out for us. Okay, really quickly because there's a whole bunch. This is one of those rare weeks where everything was good, <laughs> which was pretty shocking for me. I joined not all this positive. Uh, World's Finest number eight. Uh, for those who were saying we had gotten a little too far away from the buddy book, we get a lot of that. A uh, lot of backstory with Helena and her mom, who's the Catwoman of Earth mm-hmm. 2 and Batman and her training as a heroine. So that's a goodie. Ghost number three got really extra creepy this time around with our, mm. our villainous Dr. October, who's got other things going on. And, and it got cover of the week. And it did. It's a great little cover. So yeah, people awesome. should be getting that one. There's this little book called Fantastic Four number three. Ah, book was, sucks. Yeah, that was just very good. We get to see where Matt Fraction's going to take this. Um, so that was pretty quick, right? Yes. Yeah. Very okay. Quick. So now the two sort of real ones. I've got one for the Altacockers in the audience. For the what? German for old fart, basically. Oh, okay. Um, it's from Moonstone. It's Kolchak and Honey West, two old TV characters from the '60s, '70s. Uh, people who don't know Honey West, it was a in in the midst of all sort of women's lib and all that sort of stuff. 1965 female private detective sort of spy book as well Carl Kolchak from the Night Stalker so it's set in that sort of period there's a missing girl and a nightclub and they're both undercover for different reasons he's looking for a story because he's always snooping around for stuff uh, really well done it's uh, Janet L. Heatherton and Ron Sutton is on the art on this and the likenesses are pretty good lots of action very simple sort of 60s style but Really kind of neat stuff. Cult and... It looks a little Amanda Connerish. Uh, a little bit. A lot of the facial sort of expressions, too. It's, it's, it's sort of like Fatal Light. I like the... Um, on the cover, there's a bunch of bullets sitting around, uh, I guess, a six-shooter, and one of yep. them is a tube of lipstick. Yeah, that was... Very clever. Yeah, in the time when they were doing it, there was a lot of that sort of reference. It was Anne Francis, uh, if anyone's ever seen Forbidden Planet, the old movie. She was... That's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she played this detective who the books were created in the 50s actually but 
Moonstone has got a whole bunch of these. And they're actually reprinting the old novels as well. So if you're a fan cool. of old television, there's that. I liked Fatal a lot. I might have to check that out. You, it's here. Oh, I could borrow it. <laughs> you can borrow it. Nice. It's happening right now, people. <laughs> right in front of you. Do you want to borrow the DVDs of Honey West, which are sitting here? <laughs> you always bring extra I stuff. always bring extra stuff. I have a whole boxes of stuff but you anyway Mary my poppins bag you bring with you everywhere don't you bob uh, actually I, I prefer to think of it more like it's harpo marx's coat it's, it's in some other dimension that live dogs can be in it and blocks of ice and mailboxes <laughs> and whatever needs to be in there is those in there. are some deep pockets yeah well you have to see some of those old movies in one uh, really digressing here uh it's the middle of the depression Ooh, it's 1932 yeah, yeah. um uh, Harpo Marx, you know what he looks like, the trench coat, the hat, the hair, the, the horns, the whole thing, never said anything. He's, he's playing a dog catcher for some particularly no good reason. A bum comes up to him, big straggly bum. Hey, fella, can you help me out? I'd like to get a cup of coffee. He reaches into his coat and pulls out a steaming hot cup of coffee, hands it to him and walks away. I need that coat. That's what you have to have a coat like that. You need a coat. You have a coat, but not a coat like that. Oh, I need that. I need to. You got to get me the name of his tailor. <laughs> it was his dad, Sam. Is he, was still the, alive? he was the no. They're oh. all very, very dead. Uh, Sam buried? Sam Marks, also known as Frenchy, was thought of as the worst tailor in New York. Was he buried with the coat? Who Harpo? I'll think of him. Harpo probably was. Probably was, but he died uh, fifty years ago. So you're not going to find it anyway. All right, we're getting into book of the book of the week. Yeah. <laughs> book of the week is Love and Capes: What to Expect, Number Six. Yay! Um, right on the cover, they tell you they're not going to give away the surprise, so I won't either. But Abby and Mark's baby is born here because it is the final issue. Mm-hmm. We go through all those things. We have guest appearances by our whole cast. There are some surprises beyond for her bookshop. Things change a little bit over there too. Uh, a really touching little ending. We go to some very deep emotional places as this whole series has been, which has been funny and charming and romantic. This is just a great little book that thanks to our friend Rob, who turned me on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, been loving getting this every single week. Bobby, did you ever? I haven't. I'm waiting for the, the trade. Trades? To, to check it out. Yeah, trade yeah. should be out in a, just a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll head on to that one so if anyone hasn't picked this up there's always a trade coming but the six issues i'm sure it's are really still cool. around it's in your like store a, very much like a fly on the wall kind of book mm. yeah um, they're real people they have a real relationship they get a little grumpy well, with cool each other I mean, here and it's there. that's the it's very much the way it would be if that if a superhero and a like you've seen it before of the couples of the human woman and the superhero mm-hmm. what if they had a kid yeah and that's where the where the story's at at this point, and that's what it is. And it's just handled with a lot of humor, a lot of class. There's a lot of tender moments and stuff. And it's just it's a ni- it's a nice read. It's just a good mm-hmm. thing to sit down with and get a break from all the big action and capes and explosions and little as capes, but yeah, but it, love it, it, too. Well, <laughs> what, what it gives you is all the the little things that we all know as comic fans. So if you're a fan of, of Capes and Cal's books, this is great. You're gonna they're gonna hit all those notes that you even find absurd, and we all do, mm-hmm. and they're there. But they, he plays with them in a way that they're still there and still viable things, and they all sort of work. I mean, Darkblade's girlfriend Amazonia here on on the cover has to go back and be the queen of the Amazons or whatever it is. Um, I I liken this to the first couple of seasons of TV's Bewitched. Before it started to get really goofy and insane, where they sort of ran out of ideas, where it really still was a romance. You could tell the two people cared about each other. That's here, and in a very, very nice way. I highly recommend Love and Capes, What to Expect. Hmm. Great. Awesome. 
Yeah. All right, so that is it for our Book of the Week segment. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back and talk about all the news that's been going on in the comic book world. We are going to be talking about a lot of the news that's come out in this past week, um, a lot of cancellations, new, new, new books, new creative teams, uh, news on books that are coming out you know, in a, in a, in a few months. So let's start off. Uh, first off, uh, we have some cancellations. Uh, DC uh, canceled a few books. They canceled iVampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled DC Universe Presents. And they, I mean, they, they, and under Vertigo, they, they canceled Saucer Country. Right, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's it. I think that was it for their cancellations. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, Superman Family Adventures. Superman Family Adventures. That's right. So, Which, boo to that. Two new Fifty Two books and um, two kind of outside of that universe books. So, uh, the, the one that's kind of caused the most you know consternation with people is definitely you know the uh, the I Vampire cancellation, mm-hmm. a book that. Was very very well loved by a lot of the comic book community. Uh, is now over. It's ending with issue uh, nineteen, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and is going uh, Andrea uh, Sorin, what is it? Sorrentino. Sorrentino. She's coming back. It's a, it's a man. Yes. Andrea, yeah. That's what I said. He's coming back. <laughs> He's coming back to be the primary yeah. artist. It was a typo. Yeah. Yes. The, the last issue. It was a verbal a typo. Typo. <laughs> a verbal typo. That's right. Um, Coin it. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a, you know, uh, a quick kind of just recap. Uh, I Vampire, uh, December, you know, it only sold uh, around, well, it's 12,846 uh, copies for the month, which the only DC titles selling less are the canceled, and there's DC New 52 books, yeah. are the canceled Blue Beetle, um, which was a little under 12,000, Fury of Firestorm, and DC Universe Presents were the only ones... Uh, Selling less. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Grifter as well. Grifter is also selling less, but I believe, yeah. So there you go. Um, so it's definitely one of the ones on the chopping block. Maybe a little surprising that it got canceled before uh, Fury of Firestorm and some of these other books. But uh, Steve, I know it was a book that you were reading a lot when it came out. I'm not sure if you you kept up. With I have it or not. not. I not. read the first arc mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. And I, it's one of those books that I totally regret not keeping up on. Um, I think it was when they moved into Justice League Dark is when I fell off because I wasn't I was collecting but not reading Justice League Dark at the time mm-hmm. that I felt that if I crossed the the two books that there would be pieces missing from the Justice League Dark portion of it and I wouldn't get as much as an enjoyment out of it. Right. And I like to have all the background with things, so I fell off. But luckily, uh I've collected every issue and if it's ending at 19 uh, I will go back to number one and I'll read the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I know uh, our contributor, David Short, is devastated yes. uh, at the idea of this being canceled. And uh, I I share his sentiments because it was one of the horror books in the DC 52 lineup that was, as far as I read, consistently really good. And apparently, mm-hmm. according to him, it got a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of people 
not not having enough recognizable characters in your book and people not giving things a chance, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's well, kind of what it is. You'd like to hope that a well-received book critically mm-hmm. could have more legs than this. Well, you told me the number for Superman Family Adventures. Well, it's hideous. What Seven, is it? 7,400. 7, that's ridiculous. Is that for one book or total? That's, no, that's, that's one book. That's, 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 that's the last month's issue. Oh. Yeah, that's the December yeah. issue. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Saucer Country is even lower. Saucer Country is at uh, 6,600 yeah. uh, an issue. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like I Vampire has a really um, unfriendly title. I mean, that's not the word I'm really looking for, but it's one of those like turn off titles because it kind of gives off this sort of twilighty feel Sparkly. to it. So I if agree. you know nothing else about that. it, people yeah. are just going to be like, ooh, vampires, so overdone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it's not like when you get the back of, when you pick up a comic, you, unless you're buying, you know, the trade of it, you can just be like, see the synopsis. Like you're kind of either skimming through it. Or you go in knowing what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And with a title like I, Vampire, it kind of, I mean, the I, Vampire, I, I don't know. It. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't I, think I it's a good like title. <laughs> it's one of those titles that once you read or if you know somebody who's reading it, they'll recommend it to you and their recommendation will make you buy it. Yeah. But just if you don't know anyone, it's just one of those titles that, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have picked it up. Uh, had you guys not told me that it was worth picking up. Right. And just, that's just from the title alone. And I know that's silly, but sometimes when you're picking up a zillion things, even something like a title will sway you as to whether or not you're going to get it or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really unfortunate that it's getting canceled. I only read two issues of it so far uh, recently, too. And I really liked it. And the art especially is just, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, whoa, whoa. Um, but yeah, I mean, calm down. It it's one of those things too, where if you're going to pick up something like, I mean, cause in the DCU we've got I Vampire and American Vampire, and if you're going to go between those two titles, I mean, Scott Snyder kind of is a name that needs no justification for mm-hmm. buying it. You right. know, like it's like, which of these vampire books am I going to get? Mm-hmm. Well, the guy who writes Batman. Right, yeah. yeah. And I think it's also one of these things where I, Vampire is a very critically well-received book, but, you know, just kind of being in this community, I don't feel like, even though people liked it, it wasn't evangelized like some other titles have been, you know? It's not like something like Hawkeye, which people have been all up, all over, you know, mm-hmm. and constantly hitting the pavement to promote and talk about or you know even look at the other like you look at book like animal man or swamp thing and regardless of the writer you know you know animal man and swamp thing when they came out all you heard was how amazing they were you know and you were hearing i vampire was good but you weren't hearing those same things about that book you know smaller passionate group yeah yeah, it it didn't grow those cult classics like Mm -hmm. it's like the napoleon dynamite of comics that's wow that's a weird one. There's a quote well, that'll be on the back of the comedy, trade paperback. I mean, in the sense that nobody, like, it made, like, what, like, $1,000 in theaters, but then after it was out and it on DVD, and then one person was like, this movie is, like, hilariously awesome. And then, you know, everyone went and bought, bought it, and, like, mm-hmm. it made zillions and zillions of dollars because mm-hmm. of word of mouth. And I feel like when iVampire comes to trade, it's going to be one of those books where everyone's like, 
Vampire is so awesome. Everyone should buy it. And people will rush to buy the trade. And, you know, it'll be one of those things where D- the DC uh, execs will be like, shit, this book is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah, we shouldn't yeah. have done that. And I mean, those characters, I, I guarantee you those characters will still exist in the DC Universe. There's enough dark books. Like, you know, Just League Dark is kind of becoming like the catch-all for these these characters that got canceled with. You know, I mean, uh, the lead character in I, Vampire has been Just League Dark before. You see a book like Frankenstein, Asian of Shade, which got canceled. And now Frankenstein is heavily featured in Justice League Dark. So, you know, there, and Constantine's getting, Constantine's getting his own book. So there's another place for kind of these dark characters to show up. So uh, I, I think that, you know, the bottom line is I'm sure whoever, someone who does the money over at DC went, we're losing money. Every, every month this book comes out, we're losing money. You know, and we can only let this go on, you know, for so long until it's time to move on to something else. And, you know, you know, hopefully that those are good things. I mean, like I said, we have a Constantine title coming in, so hopefully that fills a little bit of that kind of dark thing. And Fialkov is going off and writing some, some stuff at Marvel for a little while, but, um, you know, this might be a chance for him to move on to another book that gets more read, a property that, you know, he can t- sink his teeth into, and no pun intended, I did not yeah. mean to say it like that, but, uh, and kind of, you know, get little, himself out there a little bit more. Would we like to speculate on what gets canceled next go-round? Uh, we can absolutely do that. Uh, I think there's no way Grifter is long for this world at this point. Poop. Um, Hawkman. Hawkman. No. I mean, Hawkman's now that, still holding on. Well, the, the, the how that outlasted I Vampire, I don't know. Well, it's because of Rob Liefeld. That's the reason why Rob Liefeld took over those books, and they got small bumps. Um, and it's tougher to cancel a book, I think, when you have a, a, a seasoned creator on them. You know, it's tougher to cancel those books. Right. This track record, you think it'll get better? The sales will the sales will get better, get yeah. There. And now that's done, and so I think those those books are definitely done. We've got uh, sort of sorcery. Yeah, it's, it's already down to thirteen. Went down fifteen percent. Yeah, I mean I, that book was a weird book to introduce in the first place. So yeah. I don't know how long that's going to last. You know, I actually I don't think it was weird, but I mean oh. they had it as one of the. Like, uh, what was it? Like the DC Presents, right? And it did really well off of that. And um, they decided to make it a series. No, no, no. it was... Rose and Thorn was a DC Presents. No, it was definitely... It was. It, it started off as its own book. Oh, right. It had a zero issue, though. It had a zero yeah. issue, yes. And it was, yeah, yeah okay. it, it was zero issue month. And I think... I don't think the book's bad. What I've read the book, I think, is actually pretty good. But... It's a lot of purple. It's an odd book yes. to put out there, um, you know, in this kind of scrum of all of these big books... You know, to have that as a solo book, or even it's not even an amethyst book. It's a book called Sword and Sorcery. So if you're looking, you know, for a book to read and you don't know, it's kind of like the GI Combat thing. Like if that book was called Sergeant Rock, maybe it does a little bit better. You know what I mean? So a little bit might be enough. Exactly. Just enough extra readers. Um, I found it fascinating that Human Bomb that they just. Uh, put out there managed to sell eleven thousand copies of its first issue, right. and that's a, a, a small run though, just like Phantom Lady was, I think, wasn't it? Is it yeah, not, it's not an yeah, it's against it's one of those bit. old quality characters. Yeah, but I, I think the the most interesting number of this whole thing is Catwoman um, went from sixty three thousand copies in its December issue sold thirty five thousand. Mm-hmm. It was down forty four percent, which is. That's the kind of drop you get first issue to second. Right. The speculator market does that. I don't know what ha- what was was fifteen the first Anna Senti or the second. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When the did she take 15. over Catwoman? Yeah, that 15. was okay. Yeah. 
So her first issue dropped 44% getting to her first issue. Now, I can't imagine them canceling Catwoman, but if that erosion continues to take place, if she's going to be in Justice League, they may yeah. hiatus her for a while, if there is such a verb. <laughs> that book needs to go away, and it needs to it needs to get the Gail Simone treatment. She should do both Batgirl and Catwoman, and then do a Batgirl and Catwoman, and then everybody well, can be well, her, happy. The annual, she wrote Catwoman. I know, brightly. and it was like the best Catwoman thing that has yeah. been out in over a year. Yeah. So her Batgirl, by the way, was the number five seller at DC. Nice. It was. Uh, I mean, I will say that if you look at the, the, the a lot of the Bat books have been mm-hmm. the the events going yeah. on right now. So that that's bigger numbers than Batgirl usually hits. I mean, those are great numbers, but the whole kind of halo of Death of the Family. It's just like when uh, Night of the Owls. Was yeah, out. got like a ten percent bump. Upwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are great numbers, though, and hopefully people are reading it, and then they'll they'll stick to it, and the drop won't be as big when it when it goes back down. Um, Superman Family Avengers got canceled. It's obviously an all ages book, and I know Bobby, you had been saying before off mic that you yeah. had something to say about the fact that the these books aren't existing. Well, here's the problem. I mean, it, granted it sold 7,400. Mm. It, it's being put out in comic book stores, not in all ages stores, so mm. to speak, which is a problem. How do you let your only gateway comic get canceled? Where's the ads for it on the cartoon shows? Where's the ads on other people's cartoon shows? Where's, where's the, uh, the promotional push that says to, to people who want to get their kid into Superman Here's a book you can buy without having to worrying about untoward violence or weird stuff going on. Here's the book. Can't you can't you afford to lose some money there as a loss leader to try to get people to buy the thing? And or at the very least, this is gone. Replace it with a Batman. Replace it with Young Justice. Anything. Well, I mean, I will say that I think that a. a in fact, the, like the kind of comic book version of the Young Justice cartoon sells a little bit more than this, and I'm sure costs them a lot less to make because it's. I think it's just basically they're repurposing stories that have already been made. Yeah, they don't have to pay for a second story. Sure. You know, so I, I think that I do agree with you that there should be books that are that, that young kids can read, so that there are people reading comic books when they get to be you know my age and your age and everybody and all other different ages. But I I I, I don't think that yeah advertising is part of it, but. I don't know how you keep a book going that's only selling, you know, that many copies. Again, the concept in retail of loss leader is I can lose money on this because it gets you in the store to buy something else. Mm-hmm. Best Buy will give away DVDs at $7 less than they cost them mm-hmm. to get you into the store to buy something that's not on sale. Yeah. If I can if I've got a father who's in the store towing his kid around and there's a Superman family adventures that might create a reader for the next 25 30 years I don't know losing a couple of thousand dollars a month on Superman family adventures when I'm Warner Communications might not be the worst thing Maybe not I mean I think they might see their gateway books as their cartoons you know I think that's what they see it as uh, I, I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. The problem is their own internal numbers, as we discussed more than once on the show, shows that they're not getting right. young readers. So mm-hmm. here's, a, here's a way to get them into this format. Mm-hmm. Unless they're thinking all digital down the road that the, mm-hmm. the kids aren't going to ever read books again. But it was a great little book. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I might have something to add to that in a minute. I want to look something up before I say something and okay. I turn out to be wrong. All right. But I think that that creative team might have just formed their own um like publisher or their their own little 
thing. Let me let me do some do, research. Do your research. On it first. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking a lot about sales, and I just w- we'll go over real quick. They came the December sales came out, so I will run run down real quick. Uh, <laughs> Amazing Spider Man seven hundred sold two hundred thousand, almost three almost two hundred one thousand copies at eight dollars a pop. Wow, it's a big it's a big thing for Marvel. Um, Avengers number one was number two at one hundred eighty six. Um, Batman staying strong is number three. It's one hundred fifty one. Uh, then Justice League at one hundred fifteen thousand. Detective at one hundred six. Um, Avengers two at ninety three. Cable and X-Force, number one at 90. Uh, Batman and Robin, uh, number 15 at 89. All-New X-Men, number three at 83. And then Thunderbolts, number one at 83,000. Uh, that number one is worth something. Um, yeah, they totally have their own. I'm sorry. I didn't okay, no, so no, go ahead. Uh, they're called Aw Yeah Comics. Okay. And it's, um, trying to get the names. Uh, Franco, I cannot pronounce. Wow, Stephanie, I wish you were here. <laughs> Oh, this is all right. This is one for me, Franco. Oh, or oh my God! Well, on this books, it just says Franco. They don't. They don't. I don't put <laughs> Orleani. I got it, Franco yes. Orleani. Okay, and Art Balthazar and Mark Hammond. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they've founded All Year Comics, and it's same artwork, same tone, mm-hmm. same vibe as the Superman Family right. Adventures. So. Maybe with that being canceled and them starting up this, it won't be the end of books like that in general. So maybe there's hope. Good. Hooray. Follow them on Twitter. (laughs) A new hope. (laughs) Um, And just really quick, just, you know, in numbers and books, but uh, there were 6.93 million copies of comics sold uh, this this month. Um, It's up 13% for the same month last year. down 1% from five years earlier, but up 16% from 10 years ago, but down 23% from 15 years ago. So that makes a lot of sense. It's like a but cyclical. Now, well, no, it, here's the thing though, mm-hmm. that this December is now triple shipped Marvels. It's true. So that, you know, how much of the increase is that we already had two Avengers and two X-Men mm-hmm. on our list here, uh, but up, however it's up, mm-hmm. up is good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting though looking at these numbers because you know there are multiple titles for you know these books coming out and you can yeah. see the drops in the books even in the same month you know for the for the double shift yeah. books which is an interesting thing to look at. Um, so on to some new stuff, some new. you know off canceling and on to you know some birth. We uh, uh that's an unintended segue. segue into one of the stories. Uh, the new Jason Aaron uh, <laughs> title has been teased by Marvel. It just says birth. Um, nice sly. <laughs> I didn't even mean. I didn't mean to do that at all. I know that's the best part. I know. Uh, it's it, so smooth and purple, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's really no idea yet of what it's going to be. It's a book about the Purple Man, of course. Yeah, the Purple Man. Been waiting for that. It's going to control yeah. people's minds. Yeah, Killgrave. Yeah. Or so, no, what's his name? Killgrave. He was like in, in an episode of uh, that uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Hero show. Really? Yeah. He was uh, controlling uh, Tony. Old time daredevil villain, way back in the old days. So, um, but it's not going to be about him. No, these teasers really don't give you much. It's uh, yeah, Jason Aaron. It's purple. And it's his birth. So there was a few. Um, one of the rumors floating around was an apocalypse uh, a story. Where's some purple? Yeah, hmm. and you know because we have the young apocalypse in in the Wolverine the X Men book, which is a book he's writing anyway. It would make a little sense. Um, I don't know if uh, Bob. Just looking at it, do you have any any uh, 
Any guesses? Uh, look, any wild I, guesses? I, I, I sadly I see purple and think Galactus. Right. Yes. That's a, that was also one of the things that was kind of floated around. Um, or the Hulk's pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole comic about Hulk's pants. Yeah. Just about Hulk's pants. What happens to Hulk's pants? <laughs> Does Hulk's pants have superpowers? Do they regenerate? Is it a regenerating superpower? <laughs> I'd buy that book. I would pants too. Maybe, maybe the pants will Hulk make a sandwich. Pants sad. <laughs> I mean, there's an idea of th- being a Thanos Hulk thing. Hulk pants need to that be taken That makes in. a lot of sense. Because he, in fact, is a purple. <laughs> yeah, and with the movie on the horizon. Yeah, and the Guardians of the Galaxy book coming out soon. Yeah. That well, w- they already yeah. canceled the Thanos series that was supposed to happen. They did. They canceled the mini that was supposed to happen, but that doesn't mean they can't have another one. Lame. You know, so... It's purple. It's purple. I'm sure we'll find out soon what it is because we found out some of the other ones uh, relatively quickly. And one of those was last week we were talking about this teaser, this Brian Wood, Oliver Copeville teaser, this XX. XY. It's XX, dude. XX. Is it? Yes. Yeah, we, no. have, we have the Y. XX is female. XY is male. <laughs> and it was uh, revealed that Brian Wood would be doing a all-female lineup uh, X-Men book. Yes. Just titled X Men, and the the lineup is Jubilee, Storm, Rogue, Kitty Pride, Rachel Gray, and Psylocke. See, I didn't well, know Jubilee that that's can the go book. F off, but everyone oh. else, hell yes. I didn't know that that was the the all female. I had no idea. Yeah. See, now the title makes more sense. <laughs> yes, it does. Information I could have used three <laughs> minutes ago. See, I I'm excited for this title, but at the same time, there are too many. Freaking X-Men titles. Mm. I am going to buy the shit out of this because of, (laughs) because of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) But really now, Marvel, come on. Let's like switch it up. Let's give an individual character their own story. Let's stop with 12,000 X-Men titles, please. Well, to be fair, I think this, well, no, actually it will be, I think one more X-Men title than there was before Marvel now, once all these books are out. Well, there's still too many then. There's one too many. Yeah. Because and by that, I mean like 10 too many. There's a lot of them. I mean, there will be X-Men, X-Men Legacy, all new X-Men, um, Uncanny oh, X-Men, and Wolverine the X-Men. I mean, that's just you know the what? B- Even call it X-Men Storm with a Mohawk. I don't care what you're calling it. Just change up the title. Why would they call it Storm with a Mohawk? What a horrible title for a book. I know it's horrible, but it's better mm-hmm. than having 12 X-Men titles. I mean, this at least there's a wrinkle to this. You know, and it, um, it's kind of furthering this thing we've been talking about Marvel for a while. They got Fearless Defenders coming out, which is an all-female lineup, mm-hmm. and then this is also um, an all an all-female lineup. And uh, you know, um, you know, Sarah Bell, uh, I am Giant Woman yeah. uh, on Twitter, kind of posed to us. Do you feel like this is them trying to, you know, cash in on the success they've had with Captain Marvel, uh, or not? So, I mean. Uh-huh. I, I don't think so. I don't think that it's them cashing in. I think that this is an it's about damn time mm-hmm. kind of move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I think, possibly a small answer to the Birds of Prey from DC that they don't have a, an all-female uh, book. And I, I don't know. I don't see it biting off of Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel no, is kind of her own thing. I, I don't actually necessarily... I like that this title is... Brian Wood. I like the majority of the characters that are going to be in it, but I don't necessarily approve of the fact that it's an all-female thing. I feel like it's a big reach to kind of be like, see, 
we like appreciate the ladies in comics. Like, look at us. We're totally like progressive and stuff. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's a bullshit. I mean, like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm I'm happy they're doing it, but at the same time, I'm just as happy to read a book about a mixed team. Like, if there's guys on it, like, I don't feel like. Well, right, absolutely. Obviously, you're not like you don't only read books featuring women. We know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, obviously. <laughs> otherwise, I wouldn't read comics. Right. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm happy for it, but at the same time, it's kind of like. I don't feel like that. Yeah, girl power. I'm more like, yeah, Brian Wood. Right. Which is also I, awesome. You know, I, I think that it's a, it, I think it's a cool and rogue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a really cool idea, you know, and I, I think that if you're going to have a bunch of X-Men books to just have another X-Men book, that's a mix of, of female characters and male characters makes it like every other X-Men book. Right. Four to one ratio yeah. sort of thing, the way they've all been. You it, know, it, it is. I, I'm a cynical person. Mm-hmm. So I will say that I'm sure somewhere in the corporate mentality was we, we have a lot of female characters, we have a lot of female creators on board here. They're all doing good work and we get a lot of attention on some of these female driven books. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go for that. Yeah. And they found a creator who, whose ideas mesh with them. And you figure whoever's editing this will keep it, you know, keep the tone proper because he has made a couple of odd little comments about the character's bodily urges, which <laughs> trouble me some. Because apparently, yeah. you know, you saw that, Steph? I, I didn't see what? that, but I mean, okay. I'll, I'll make another point after this. Okay, l- I'll, okay. The, the, the quote we had on our site here, he's tired of seeing uh, Wolverine sleep around with everyone, but if a female character sleeps with more than one person, she's suddenly promiscuous. And to everyone's credit, these people are often shut down immediately as being sexist and, you know, unfair. And this is a very common thing. We're just trying to do it. We're, go- we're not going to worry about that. If Kitty or Rogue has basic human bodily urges, tough luck on those opposed. To me, that's as much a part of the X-Men as anything else. I don't remember that being part of the X-Men I grew well, up Well, I mean, I think he's exactly. just saying that, you know, you know, uh, these characters tend like Wolverine has partners, lots of partners. Mm-hmm. You know, you know he's a slut. Yes, <laughs> right. Uh, Tony has a, a Tony has a lot of women that he sleeps right. with, and everybody thinks Tony's freaking awesome. You know, but you know if the female characters and, and they're saying the sexist fans, right. female character sleeps with three, two people. They they're right. oh, know, and I get and real life turns into the same exactly. thing. Exactly, I think they're the, just my, saying my, like. Right. But my only co- real complaint is then the last line of it throws the whole thing into a cocked hat. You know, uh, that's as much of the X-Men as anything else. You know, Kitty going on a date. I mean, we go way, way back with Colossus, which is this charming little both awkward sort of thing. And Kitty is still not being written as if she's 40. Mm-hmm. You know, she's still kind of, what is she, 18, 19, 20 at this point? She's the headmaster of the school, but I don't know but how she was. But she was a very smart. It, yes. They were, I feel like they move her age around a lot because in uh, Ultimate Comics, she's, I think, 18 well, or Ultimate 17. That's a different thing, though. Yeah. It's a totally different universe, so it doesn't matter. Ugh, doesn't, so confusing. It doesn't line up with yeah. the, the, the 616? Six, six, 616. 616 Earth. Yeah. Um, that's the, the 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 Marvel Universe, like the regular Marvel Universe. It's Earth 616. That's, oh. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, I just think that what he's trying to say is we're going to treat these these characters are going to do the same thing that male characters might do, and we don't care if people have a problem with it. I think that's more and that's, and what that's he's great. saying. I, I, you know, I'll I'm on board with that. Yeah. Steph, what point were you going to make? I'm just coming back to yours. Like I, I don't want to make this like a gender thing, but I do think that 
um, like the Marvel execs weren't selfless in putting this title together. I think they're really capitalizing on um, the females in the comic industry that are, you know, getting really outspoken and just being really out there. Like, I mean, there's some really strong women out there writing for big comic book websites. And I think they're really appealing to that crowd because those people are bringing in a lot of new readers and they need to keep expanding their horizons if they want to, you know, get new readers. I mean, but I think that's like, okay, maybe, but there are, there are times when the, I guess, uh, commercial, like the, the 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 aim for commercial success lines up with a good thing, you know. I'm not saying socially. it's a bad yeah. thing. I'm no, just I know. saying that I don't think it was a selfless thing. Well, no, no there's, some, there's some a cynical to this. Yeah, their part. Yeah. to do another title, and I do believe that it did probably have something to do with the success the success of Captain Marvel. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and absolutely. Only yeah. thing I think is that when you say cash, when I mean the way Sarah, Sarah worded the question, because calling it a cash in. It definitely gives a negative connotation to well, what it is, you know. I think if it was a cash in, they would have just put some like no nobody writer and yeah. nobody artist on it to kind of be like, well, here's your shot to see what you can do with Marvel Comics. We'll check up with you in six months. Exactly. But yes. I think the fact that they put on someone like Brian Wood mm-hmm. is a telling sign that they're aiming to make it a really great series. Yes. And Oliver Copiel, who's a, who's a great, yeah. a great yeah. artist. Um, yeah, I I totally agree, and I, I think that it is nice. I mean, it's such a cool thing to hear. Like there are all these outspoken female creators, female journalists calling for this stuff, and they're doing it. You know, and I'm sh- and it's not altruistic. They're a business. They want to make money. They go, hey, look, there is money now to be made in, in making this book. But isn't that because when we did Women at Comics Week, you know, uh, a couple months ago, isn't that the exact thing we were talking about? How oh, yeah. we were tired of them marketing to this lowest common denominator. You know, uh, a consumer that they had pictured in their brain for so long, and they may have found finally. Look, here's our, another edge we have over the what Stan used to call the distinguished competition. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of complaining about what DC does with their heroines, and if Marvel is doing a better job of it, let's just go for it. We'll continue to go for it and see and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. I wonder if because of all this, like you know, fan being fans being like we should have this. We should have this. Maybe if I write like 20 articles on Cloak and Dagger, they'll finally do like a Cloak and Dagger comic again. Well, if, if I'd can, be there yeah, for that one. If you can get that done, Stephanie, get it done. Please do. <laughs> petition. <laughs> All right. Let's petition Obama for it. Yeah. <laughs> I am on this right now. So if I'm quiet for the next little while, it's because I'm currently writing a petition. All right. Sign or me a up. really passionate article. <laughs> Sign me up for both. Good. Um, a couple of other things. Uh, I mentioned, I think, last week that uh, they were changing up artists on Thunderbolts, which is a book that we did not like, obviously. Phil Noto is the artist taking I over Thunderbolts. I love Phil Noto, and he can't save this for me because its, it's story was just... So, bleh, let alone the hookup now between the Punisher and Which is the Electra. cover of that, of that thing. Um, you know, uh, there's a couple teasers, you know, they're, they're just a, they leave a bunch of storylines. Like, you know, the... A new Avengers, the new Avengers Arena storyline, a new Deadpool storyline, the Fired storyline we mentioned. Yep. Uh, we're gonna, you know, uh, from the Avengers um, for Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> you being a dick, Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> done. Yeah, turn in your key card and get out of here. The yeah. Walt Simonson coming on Indestructible Hulk. Love that that no. teaser image of, yeah. of the Hulk straining with the hammer. Yeah. I can't wait to see Walt on Thor again. Uh, a new one for Journey into Mystery. Called nice. Ravenous. 
and then uh, Uncanny X-Men uh, Revolution uh, one. So we, we, we got those. Uh, those are you know more books that we already knew about that, that, are, that are just changing up their either artists or uh, you know heading into their second arc. So they, they gave us something there. Um, fun, fun. You know, quick on the Spider-Man front, uh, there was a fake, a, a, a few before uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700 came out. And I think it was actually before 699 even. Uh, a tweet was found from Dan Slott that was structured as if it was supposed to be a direct message to Ryan Stegman about uh, Miguel from Spider-Man 2099 being in Superior Spider-Man. And it was kind of a, it was a misdirect by Dan Slott. It was a joke. Uh, it was to get people off the scent of what was really going to happen. But it did come out that he did say that, yes, that was a misleading thing, but Miguel will be coming into Superior Spider-Man and he will be part of the story. So I think that's a pretty cool idea. I mean, obviously, we talked about him last week, Peter David, if you're on the show, yep, created. Um, created Spider-Man 2099. So what do you think of this? I think it's great because mm-hmm. you you... You're tying everything back together, and who knows how long this story will play out the way it is. We're always assuming it's Peter back, right? Well, maybe Peter, as you say, you know, turns into Miguel, maybe. turns into Ben. Maybe yeah. it's a revolving. Yeah. It's Spider Man Incorporated. <laughs> so I think I think it's a it's yeah. a cool idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a fun little bit of news. Uh, actually, right before we recorded this. Uh, Brian Bendis did a uh, thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. And so we we got news. Iron Man is part of the team. He's going to be in the Guardians mm. of the Galaxy. Uh, and he, he said some pretty fun things about it. You know, he said that kind of the galaxy regards Earth as almost an insane asylum for the amount of stuff that happens there. And that uh, the stuff that's been happening on Earth, the time travel and stuff is you know, butterfly affecting out into the universe. So there's going to be repercussions, you know, with them dealing with that. Which creates tie-ins and events. I <laughs> mean, um, they're obviously going to be part, I mean, Iron Man is obviously going to be funneling in and out of both of those stories of his own book and mm-hmm. of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he's already said that there will be something with the all-new X-Men in there as well. Um, and that they're truly going to be in this book kind of the Avengers of space, you know, the intergalactic Avengers. Has there been any word on um, the new Iron Man, the Kieran Gillen Iron Man? Is that any good? Um, I, I only read the first issue and I wasn't crazy about it. And, yeah. and so yeah. I haven't been keeping up on it. Okay. Um, I know that I, I'm pretty sure with issue five or whatever, or six, uh, a new arc is starting. Uh, so, you know, who knows where that's going to go from there. Uh, I hope that once that book gets into the story, like the media, the exact story, that it will be uh, a book that I, I'm more into. I mean, I'm much more excited about Young Avengers coming out than, than his yeah. Iron Man book. So, I mean, Bob, you don't seem very positive about the uh, Guardians no, of the Galaxy. <laughs> no, look, we, we were joking. What we're looking forward to this year, and I kiddingly said, more events. <laughs> Well, here, you know, we're back. They're all tied into the Age of Ultron, yeah. apparently. It's going to spin out of the Age of Ultron. Yeah. So. Uh, AVX Part 2. <laughs> I, that, the specter of that is rising up as we speak. Like a mighty phoenix. Oh. Like a mighty turd. <laughs> well, apparently the Jean Grey phoenix thing is these alien races don't like that she's back, mm-hmm. even though she's not that character yet. Right. Since... Before I don't know, it's, it's so confusing. Um, no, Alex I'm confusing. I, yeah, I, I am no. not thrilled about tying everything back together. I thought we were gonna have each little universe for a bit, 
Mm. That lasted. Uh, when does this start? April. April. Or okay. So you have until April for your 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 utopic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there there's some you know strange things going on, but there are also a lot of really great things going on right now with the Marvel lineup. I've been mm-hmm. enjoying the majority of the books. Yeah. Uh, Journey into Mystery. The first two issues of that were great. They were funny. They were interesting. Um, and a totally, totally different vibe from uh, the Loki series, mm-hmm. which is nice because that's what you want. You want yeah. something mm-hmm. new. That's Absolutely. what it is. Absolutely. Um, and Thor, God of Thunder. Holy crap. Is <laughs> that a great book? Uh, I just it? caught up. Yeah. Yeah. I just caught up with it. I read uh, from from one to four. And I hadn't read past two, but I didn't really remember two that much. So I just decided to go back. And I, between the 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 stretching of the story in issue number two into three and four, it's such a Thor centric tale, mm-hmm. but it spans like three different periods of his life and switching from one to the other, to the other seamlessly and linking up this story. Like you're almost seeing a, a struggle of his entire life that we never got to check out. It's really, it's really awesome. It's really dark, but it's really good. So it's very close to the character, which are some of my favorite kind of books where you get right in there. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's going on in that. It's excellent. Cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, spinning up back over to DC, uh, we had mentioned uh, that Scott Snyder was leaving uh, Swamp Thing. And uh, we were kind of wondering what the next creative team was going to be, what the creative team has been announced. And I'm going to hope to say his name is Charles Soule. S O U L E, yeah, uh, and uh, Kano <laughs> is doing the art, and he did some art on Immortal Iron Fist, um, and Charles Soule wrote Twenty Seven and Strange Attractor. So uh, he's taking over w- for Swamp Thing, and he, he is uh, they're they're changing the book around uh, a little bit, and he's saying he's making it smaller, kind of more self-contained, two to three issue, uh, smaller stories instead of like the huge. You know, basically, what's been going on something now is we're about we're gonna Scott Snyder's gonna end it at his run at seventeen or whatever, and it's going to be basically one giant story. There will not have been you know a, a smaller arc within that that that, okay. that big run, which is kind of been the thing he's been doing in both in all of his books that he's been writing. Um, now, uh, Steve, you were mentioning you thought the art looked pretty cool. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been enjoying uh, Paquette and uh, who who's the other artist? There's been a couple. I mean, right. it's been going back. Well, before. this is the, the the basic, you know, the almost like psychedelic mm-hmm. look to Swamp Thing that it's had, and then it's it's blending uh, along with Animal Man. It's been really creepy and really cool, uh, very horror centric in a way, and I've enjoyed that. But I saw, uh, I guess, teaser artwork or just a cover of the of the new artist, and it's. Very cool. Very, uh, I use this word a lot, but painterly Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And uh, it's different enough that it'll it'll be jarring to see. I mean, obviously, you you don't pay attention to news and you pick up that issue. You're going to be like, what? Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, I like things that shake things up. And it sounds like it's going to be a solid team. And I think that snyder's had a really really great run i mean he got me into the character mm-hmm. like i'm i'm on like i'm definitely gonna check out stuff beyond it's not like there's a new team coming in and i'm like oh like i don't know if i want to keep reading this like i am totally ready to give another team a shot and see what they can do with the character mm-hmm. so i'm excited for it 
Yeah. I mean, me too. I mean, I'm sad to see Snyder go. He's the person, like you said, who got me into the character. So it's going to be definitely a jarring thing to, to move on. Um, yeah, the art, if you haven't seen it, I mean, he, something is a little bit more uh, streamlined. You know, he is less of kind of the, you know, the wings and, and the kind of the, the frills on the head. It's the very antlers. more streamlined. The antlers, <laughs> yeah. It's much more streamlined. He looks a little bit more muscular, but it definitely is a, a very interesting uh, art style. Um Stephanie, have you got a chance to see any of the the teaser images or anything? Not yet. Mm. No, I've been very, 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 very busy. But <laughs> I will try and take a peek at them sometime this week, and then maybe I'll write some stuff, like my thoughts. <laughs> um, what are you, what do you think about a change up in the team here, Bob? Um, Seventeen issues is a hell of a run. Yeah, uh, nice long story arc. Uh, what he writes is he's going to delve back into the. Uh, thousand year history of mm. the, the avatar the green and then tell those little stories as people encounter him thinking he's that other avatar right uh, the, the word i would use for that art is, so, is sort of wispy mm-hmm. sort of very mm-hmm. airy instead of, it was very grounded before very yeah. physically grounded yes. to the earth and this yeah. is and it made the new stories may fit this art more than the, any other combination it looks very dreamlike oh, almost perfect. like sandmanish yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I, it definitely is one of those things where he's one of those characters that be, I got into because of a writer. So the fact that writer's leaving has me a little bit worried. Uh, but I, I'm definitely want to jump in and see one of the another uh, announcement that happened, which is pretty cool. Uh, James Tinney in the fourth uh, will be taking over writing duties on Red Hood and the Outlaws. Uh, uh, starting with issue 19, um, and uh, Miko Sunyan. Oh, sorry, he's starting with 17. And then the artist uh, Miko Sunyan will be taking over art duties on issue 19 with Tinian. And what, if you look, there's a cover that came out they released, and the art couldn't look really any different than yeah, the art that. that was in the Red Hood uh, coming up huh. to here. Um, Tinian, obviously a Snyder uh, kind of protege, um, his writing Talon, and now he's going into another much character much more connected to the Batman universe in, in Jason Todd. But, um, you know, he has said that the, the character that will be front and center in his first batch of issues is going to be Roy Harper, uh, Arsenal, and we're going to start seeing parts of his path in New 52 and when we've only seen glimpses of before. And we're going to learn a bit more about how he became Arsenal and what his position is in The Outlaws. Uh, what are the things that he screwed up in his life and led him to getting captured across the world all the way back in Red Hood number one? I'm really excited to explore the character because in the series, we've seen Starfire's past with with a major space arc, and now we're going to a very, very deep and emotional Jason arc with what's happening in Death and the Family. So we're going to put Arsenal in the focus for a bit, and I think fans are going to be really, uh, really happy. Um, and he's talking about the tone of the books compared to what we've had and what we have what he's getting I think tonally they're very different books obviously there's some darkness lurking around these characters and even more so right as I'm going to jump onto this run but I think that at its essence this is a fun adventure book with three friends that are doing these insane things all over the world and that's not going to change I'm not looking I'm not looking to take this book in a grim and gritty dark direction it's going to be a moody dark book it's going to be high action high concepts lots of new villains threats lurking in the darkness Hmm. sounds fun sounds like a good handle on it yeah I, I mean, you know, I think that Stephanie had talked about Red Hood and the Outlaws uh, a few weeks ago and how, you know, it's a book kind of that started out, I think, pretty poorly and, and hit a nice stride. But I think having a, a guy like uh, James Tinney on the book can really um, take it uh, to another level. 
especially it's nice they're focusing on Roy because uh, in the past week, two weeks or so, Jeff Lemire has talked a lot more about his Green Arrow run and how he's um, really focusing on kind of redefining what the Green Arrow, who Green Arrow is, and you know, connecting him back to his time on that island and what what happened to him and what made him who he is. And uh, he said he's and he's really focusing on excluding a lot of these other characters. He said he said that. You know, a lot of times with Green Arrow books, it becomes about uh, Black Canary, or it becomes about Speedy, or it becomes about Arsenal, um, you know, with Roy Harper or whoever, he, whatever his name is. And he wants to take that away. He wants it to be about Oliver, and he wants to create a really great rogues gallery for Oliver, because he feels like that's the thing he, his character is lacking. I can't even think of a Green Arrow right. villain now that you say that. <laughs> 70 years worth of publication, I don't think there is one. Um, and so that matched with the, the Andrea Sorrentino art, Tarantino art that he, he was doing a vampire before that book is obviously shaping up to be something, uh, uh, pretty cool. Um, so that's all the news I had. Does anybody else have any other stories that they were, uh, perusing? We briefly mentioned at all the Justice League Dark movie that might be happening. Oh no, we haven't really talked about that. I mean, we talked about, a, we, I think we talked about it very briefly, but yeah, I, uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, said that he's hired a writer and that the movie's moving forward and it's going to have Swamp Thing and Dead Man and Zatanna and John Constantine. Um, you know, Perhaps we should do a casting episode for that. That would be a fun one. Mm. That would be a good one. And he definitely said Constantine, comic book Constantine, you know, he's, it, it's not going to, it's obviously not going to be Counter Reeves. It's going to, he's going to bring it back more towards, you laugh, yeah. but I love that movie. Whoa. It's, it's not Zatanna, it. is it too? Is she in it? Yeah, yeah. no, you mentioned Zatanna, yeah. We don't know which one, but I'm sure it'll be the Justice League Dark version. Probably, yeah. yeah. But he definitely mentioned Zatanna, uh, as well as Dead Man, which I think could be uh, really cool. He mentioned Dead Man is a really tough character to, to kind of figure out how to do it on screen. But um, yeah, he, he called Swamp Thing like a rock star. So, I mean, what do you think of Guillermo del Toro directing? I love del Toro. So yeah. you look at what he did with Blade Two, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly the Hellboy movies. Yeah. Brilliant visually. Knows horror. He's a, Love, a Lovecraft scholar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame his Mountains of Madness isn't going to get made. But maybe this will be a nice bit of fluff for the for everybody. Yeah. And, well, and get... I feel like he's a fan. Like, I mean, he always seems to show up at Comic-Cons whenever he um, happens to be in a city with one. And I just feel like he does such a visually stunning job with his movies. And he focuses on the story and doesn't just make it all about like you know just like the silliness behind comics and mm. i think um I, I i'm stoked i i mean i don't even need to see a trailer if this hit theaters next week and all i knew was Guillermo del Toro Justice League Dark i'd be there mm-hmm. uh, i think we say that across the board here yeah, yeah. i've already seen it it's awesome <laughs> it's all in your brain look forward Can to I borrow it borrow your delorean please <laughs> yes um, I mean, I guess we should also talk about the fact that uh, uh, Walking Dead has now another showrunner. Uh, Glenn Mazzaro was fired, and they hired this guy, Scott Gimple. How long who, did the other guy last? A, a season. Okay. Um, and uh, they hired this guy, Scott Gimple, who wrote uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. So people are I not, was just yeah. talking about that piece Super of crap excited. last night. I was just didn't talking see about that, that one. And oh my god, this has nothing to do with anything. I started watching Mad Men season five. Okay. Three episodes into that or four episodes in. Oh my god, what the hell's going on? All right, that's it. <laughs> zoopy zoopy zoo. 
Oh my god, it's so good though. It's so weird. Everybody's losing their shit. It's... Yeah, I had to review that a while back, and it's, oh. like I watched it in like one day. And you know like, what I'm talking fuck. about, though, right? Like three or four episodes in, that one episode where everybody's just breaking down. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Give me something. Yeah. Never, never watched. What are you gonna say about it? What? Stuff. I don't, remember, no, I don't want to spoil anything. It's just, it was so... We'll talk after. All right. I was okay. like, that couldn't have just happened. What the hell? It was um, so good. But getting back on track, yeah. the reason Mazzaro was fired apparently, and this is, you know, rumor to some extent, is that he his direction for the show went against what Robert Kirk's, Kirkman's vision of the show was. Um, and AMC is very, very keen on keeping... Kirkman happy because he's the kind of portal to the fans, you know, and it's kind of whatever, whatever criticisms fans have of the show, as long, it seems as long as Kirkman is kind of on board and saying he likes what's going on, the show continues to have enough cred to, you know, in that community. So they do not want to get on Kirkman's bad side. No, as that's the flip of that Tom Cruise Jack Reacher movie where they apparently bought off the author of the books mm-hmm. and now says, Well, I, I would have cast him. The fact that he's six foot five in the novels, that was a metaphor. What? <laughs> I guess the check was a metaphor too, then. You just cast the check and just say all sorts of stupid things to your fans who now hate you and the movie and your books. Can't have, it's not good. That's not a good turnaround. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I, I think people get a little uh, weird about physical looks for, for roles. Yeah, but if you spend the time in the book saying the okay, I know, but you know, I, Doc Savage of the novels was six foot six and weighed three hundred pounds and the perfect physical specimen, and if you had cast Gilbert Gottfried to play him, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, but I mean, comparing Gilbert Gottfried, this is oh. Tom Cruise. It's not like Tom Cruise is in a, it doesn't know how to be in a movie, you know? No, that's <laughs> that's true. But again, uh, calling his height a metaphor when you made a point of his physicality right. in seventeen <laughs> novels is just a bit much. And I guess real quick too, and I think this is a little bit reaching. Um, the Warner Brothers registered a lot of Arkham-related uh, URLs recently, hmm. and the internet jumped on it, saying that this is possibly the, for the movie and not for the next game. That the movie is going to have something with Arkham in the title. Wow. So I, I think it's I think it's probably for the next game. I don't. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, we visited Arkham a couple of times. We have, but it's just—I think it's a little bit of reach. But I wanted to just throw that throw that out there. Um, I have one bit of old timey comic. Go right ahead. Uh, It was announced this week by—I guess it's still Kraus Publications—that the Comic Buyer's Guide, (laughs) which has been published start as a weekly since 1971, is being canceled because you can get all this information on the internet, and 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 that's all true. Mm. But when this was a, a a weekly newspaper. I mean, from its beginning, you got to see the growth of that whole generation of fandom. It's sort of that second gen. And it was Don and Maggie Thompson. That's where Peter David's But I Digress column was. It was news every single week of what was coming out, deep stories about the history of characters. They changed format to try to, I think, compete with Wizard and went to a monthly. And then once it went to a monthly, now it wasn't a news magazine anymore. Mm-hmm. You were, there was too much lead time to get anything. And they... I, Granted, they were only selling about 20,000 copies at their peak, but it was one of the most handed around newspapers you can imagine. I guarantee you it was probably 20 people read every issue beyond the one that they would have thought of. And it's really a shame that it's going. 
it's not going to be replaced by anything. Comic book resource is good. We're good at what we do and all. But to have it in your hand and look at it, it's kind of sad that after 40 years, something vanishes. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure I threw that out there today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We have one uh, quick email. This is from uh, Ryan Carroll. And he says, hey, guys, I heard your brief conversation about how IDW has several Transformers books. (laughs) as opposed to Dark Horse's single major Star Wars book. You guys might have already looked up the reason for this, but just in case you haven't, and considering I'm fairly versed in the field of Transformers comics, I want to explain the reason behind this. He's more than meets the eye, Ryan is. He is. IDW's Transformers Regeneration 1 is a series of reprints of issues of Transformers comics from the 80s and 90s. While Transformers More Than Meets the Eye and Transformers Robots in Disguise take place in the present. In the continuity of the two comics, the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons is over, Cybertron has been reinvigorated, and Optimus Prime has relinquished leadership of the Autobots. Each book centers around a central cast. More Than Meets the Eye focuses on a motley crew attempting to find the mythical Knights of Cybertron and bring the planet into a golden age. He says, I find this to be one of my favorite books. And Robots in Disguise, on the other hand, centers around the attempt to rebuild this disorganized this, this, this Cybertron. Features a good deal of political drama and includes Starscream, Bumblebee, Metalhawk, leader of the neutral Cybertonians. I found that as long as, as as long that as long as a reader makes use of the recap page in the front of the book and the meet the cast page in the back, they're fairly easy to get into. Though there are some references that might be missed. Oh. That's from Ryan. So thank you, Ryan, for explaining to us uh, the Transformers books. Uh, I think actually the what the more than meets the eye one I think sounds actually sounds pretty cool. So. Yes. He's a, Ryan is a really, really well-spoken guy, and he's like 13 years old. So. I think he's 14. He's 14 now? He's 14. Well, he, he, I, he, he was at Comic-Con, and he asked a question yeah, when he's I was a, he's at home. He's, he's and I thought it was, cool it was like listening to an adult, so it, it's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> so we're going to move on now to what's on the shelves uh, right now. <gasps> Hooray! Um, from Boom Studios. Uh, we have... Um, what well, This is not verified by Diamond, apparently, but... Adventure Time, Marsley and the Scream Queens, number six of six. Uh, that, it, uh, that came out, that must have reprint. Oh, it was a reprint? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Extermination, number eight. Uh, Fanboys vs. Zombies, number ten. Freelancers, number three. From Dark Horse, we have BPRD, 1948, number four of five. Oh, cool. We have Billy the Kid's Old Timey Oddities and the Orm of Loch Ness, number four of Love four. Love that title. Haven't read the book. <laughs> uh, Black Beetle, No Way Out, number one of four. Conan the Barbarian, number 12. Uh, X Sanguine number four. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Emmy Comic Girls number four of five, featuring Power Girl. We have Batgirl number 16, Yay. Batman number 16, yeah. Batman and Robin number 16, yeah. uh, Batman Arkham Unhinged number 10, Deathstroke number 16, Demon Knights number 16, uh, Frankenstein Agent of Shade number 16, which is the final issue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grifter number 16, it's final issue. So I guess that already got canceled. So ah. forget what we said. Um, Insurgent number one of six. Legion Lost number 16, which is also its final issue. Uh, Ravagers number eight. Suicide Squad number 16. Superboy number 16. Team 7 number four. And Threshold number one. Hmm. So we got a new book, a new yeah. big cosmic DC book. I don't know if I can jump onto another. I'm already getting all the third whatever army stuff. Army third wave. The, um, all the Green yeah. the, whatever Green Lantern events going on right now. Rise of the Third Army. Rise of the Third Army. Yeah. I've got all of them. <laughs> I only like one of the other Green Lantern books. I like Green Lantern a lot, and I think um I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh Green Lantern uh Red Lanterns is actually quite good. 
Uh, Core is decent, but New Guardians is just not doing it for me. And okay. I know that that's tied to the New Guardians annual. Yeah, it's tied to it, but it's going to go off into its own thing. It's just, it's going to be kind of this crazy, like, like almost yeah. like interstellar team book. It's not really going to be part of the Green Lantern's uh, universe. I absolutely love the cover for it, though. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, from Dynamite, we have Bionic Man versus the Bionic wi- Woman, number one. Oh, boy. We have... Uh, D- uh, Dark Violet. Shadows, number 12. Garthinus's Jennifer Blood, number 21. Uh, Green Hornet, year one special, number one. Uh, Kevin Smith's Bionic Man, number 15. Lord of the Jungle, number 11. Pathfinder, number four. Pete- Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, number five. Vampirella, number 25. And Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 21. Uh, from IDW, we have Chasing the Dead, number three. Crow Skinning the Wolves, number two of three. G.I. Joe, number 21. Is that a euphemism, by the way? I don't know. It should be. It's a weird name, though. Magic it's like the Gathering. the chickens, getting the wolves. <laughs> uh, Magic the Gathering, Path of Vengeance, number two. Mars Attacks, The Real Ghostbusters. Oh, there we go. One shot. Um, and uh, Transformers Spotlight, Thundercracker, number one. Oh, Ryan didn't mention that one. No, he did not mention that one. Thundercracker? Thundercracker. I just said Thundercracker. Thundercracker. Panther. Exactly. Uh, From Image Comics, we have Comeback, number three of five. Creator Own Heroes, number eight. Um, Elephant Men, number 45. Hoax Hunters, number six. Little Depressed Boy, number 15. Uh, (laughs) Saga, number nine. Yeah. And Todd, the ugliest kid on earth, number one of four. Woo! Why the excitement? I'm looking forward to it. It looked really... I saw a preview for it in previews. Haha. <laughs> and uh, it looked like it would be up my alley. If, if any, Actually, if nobody's claimed that, I might review that. Okay. Absolutely. Which I'm sure no one has. No. <laughs> uh, from Marvel Comics, we have All New X-Men number six, Alpha Big Time number 0.1, which is actually, in case anybody's wondering... That's it's it's a reprint of the first Alpha issue. They're gonna oh. lead up to the new Alpha series uh. with reprinting the old Amazing. So I looked it up. I because I, I, I was okay. I did my pull list and no. Um, and like, I mean, unless you haven't already had those issues and you're planning on getting the Alpha series, uh, Avengers Assemble number eleven. Yay. Uh, Avenging Spider-Man number sixteen. Yay. Captain America number three. Captain Marvel number nine. Yay. Daredevil number twenty-two. Yay. Dark Avengers number one eighty-five. Mm. Um. <laughs> Hulk, no, sorry, Indestructible Hulk, number three. Yes. Um, uh, New Avengers, number two. Yes. Punisher Nightmare, number three of five. Savage Wolverine, number one. Ooh. Uh, Ultimate Comics Iron Man, number four of four. Yeah. Venom, number 30. Wolverine Max, number three. X-Factor, number 250. And X-Men, number 40. Uh, I did hear that number 250 is a good jumping on point. Yeah, it's the start of the Hell on Earth arc. Peter always gives you lots of recap. So you can always count on being able to play. Maybe catch, I'll jump catch on it pretty quickly. Maybe you know what I will. I'm gonna yeah. jump. I'm gonna jump onto that yeah. and see what all the hullabaloo. Because yeah. the is team's about. gonna reform in slightly different ways, and there's always good stuff going on in those kind of issues for him. So this is actually hell on earth, and not hell. No, no, two two L's. Heil. <laughs> two L's and no apostrophes, and gotcha. lots of demons, and it's too many souls on the earth. And okay, triggers an event. Okay. Um, from Valiant, we have Archer and Armstrong, number six, and Bloodshot, number seven. Uh, and uh, from Zenoscope, Fly, volume two, number four. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales, number 81. And Grim Fairy Tales animated series, one shot. Ooh. So there you go. Uh, so oh. that's what's on the shelves right now. Just quickly, we, we yes. just mentioned Peter David. Yeah. Uh, 
according to his wife Kathleen's blog, Peter's doing much better. He's gotten into rehab, walking on his own. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw that this yeah. morning. Yes, uh, he's able to move his his right hand was affected. He's now opening and closing it on his own. He's already dictated a st- another script. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's fantastic. It's very, very good to hear. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, uh, obviously it's info at talkingcomicbooks.com and at Talking Comics is uh, the uh, the Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics is the Facebook page. Uh, we're just three likes away from 300. So if you guys can, if you guys haven't liked the Facebook page yet, just do a little likey likey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and thank you very much for that. Um, so uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Uh, Steve's is. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Uh, Stephanie? I'm Hello Cookie. Bob. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, please, guys, send, send your emails in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for all your uh, your support and reactions to the, the best of uh, shows that we did. We get a lot of great feedback on those. Um, yeah, a lot loads of, people, of comments on the site now. Yeah, A lot of comments on the site. Uh, and a lot of people are asking, you know, or, you know, hoping that it's going to be a regular feature and you know, every year, and I say as many years as we do this, that is the way we're going to do, uh, you know, our end of the year awards. So uh, I hope you, since you guys liked it, we'll, de- we'll definitely keep doing it. Um, so that is it for Talking Comics uh, for this week. For Steve, see ya, Bob, Aloha, and Stephanie. Toodaloo. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Oh, and sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. I almost forgot. I it was a good end- ending, but. Stay tuned after the music. Uh, We have a big Spider-Man conversation about Superior Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 700. So, after that little PS, until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Right, we are back uh, for our spoilery conversation about, uh, well, Amazing Spider-Man and then Superior Spider-Man. Uh, Stephanie has stepped away because she hasn't been reading the book, so we don't want to spoil it for her. Uh, but we are going to talk about it now. So obviously we're going to spoil uh, um, Amazing Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man here. Um, so, I mean, I'll just start out. Uh, Bob, what did you think of the ending of Amazing Spider-Man? Um, and transitioning into Superior Spider-Man. Okay, perfect. The For me, Amazing 700 was literally that. It was amazing. You, you got to see that struggle that we've been playing up for months. Was 698 was when the flashback sort of began? I think 698, yeah. Uh, you, you see inside what Peter's having to do. He's changing a little bit too. He's mm. acting a little off while he's in Otto's body. You've got the, the villains together, the breakout. Uh, still doesn't want to hurt anybody. Mm. Otto being Otto, doing that sort of stuff. Great ending, went a slightly different way than we expected. Wonderful flash forward in a way to see what will happen next. Transitioning into, well, first Avenging, I guess. Right, yeah, Avenging, yeah. Um, which was okay, and I found Superior somewhat underwhelming, if there is such a word. Mm-hmm. Um, little rushed. 
the foreshadowing at the end seems a little soon, even though this is where you knew this was all going to happen, where you're going to start to see... Uh, well, someone's saying this is Peter's a ghost. Mm-hmm. No, it's the old Marvel trope. He's, you switch bodies, he's in the head. It's still yeah. Peter's brain, yeah. physically. Uh, he's been overwritten, I guess, in the computer lingo. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just it's yeah. just a visual representation. Yeah. yeah, no, but there are people screaming, "Oh, he's a ghost!" Mm-hmm. No, no. Well, we're not going to say they're dumb or anything, no, but it not, just no. just seemed like you know. I mean, it's they, a reach. he does illustrate him as a blue specter that is yeah. doing certain things, but I definitely think it's it's supposed to be like Steve said, a visual representation of Peter's that last vestiges of consciousness yeah, and awareness, stopping Otto from doing the things that. Um, right. Instead of having yeah. the weird word bubble with like the shaky lines and crap yeah, around yeah, yeah. it, we got Perfect. you know Ghost Peter. Yeah, exactly. Um, Steve, what did you think of the two issues or the three issues? I guess I thought Seven Hundred was really intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything leading up to it, all the the rumors, the spoilers, the talk, the death threats, mm-hmm. yeah. all, <laughs> all that stuff led to a very exciting read. And I did not. I did not see it coming. I mean, we we talked about it, but not exactly the way that it happened. So the fact that it was able to surprise me, I enjoyed that. I also I enjoy pretty much anything that shakes things up mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, I don't remember the last time that I saw people in up in arms about something as much as this. You know, we've been doing this for a little bit over a year, and this is definitely one of those times where you kind of have to watch what you say and, you know, just be optimistic and and let's just see what happens. As far as Superior goes, it was – it threw me a little bit. The Peter and the, the auto thing, it's really weird. It's strange. He's not acting like himself. He's not supposed to be, but he's creepy. He's really creepy when he's having dinner with MJ mm-hmm. and he's staring at her chest and he's just like, you know, oh, I'm going <laughs> to, I was just like, ooh, that's, that's a little, it's interesting to see, to see the series going in that direction. I don't, that's something that might come back to haunt them a little mm-hmm. bit. I almost wonder if they've thought all of this out. That being said, I have a lot of respect and I have a lot of faith in Dan Slott. Uh, he's been writing Spider-Man long enough that if if he wants to take it a different direction and do something crazy with it, I trust that he has something in store that we, pro- we probably don't know about yet that's going to hopefully win everybody over, at least the majority. Uh, I do think the people abandoning the series without having checked it out first or given it a chance to get its legs is foolish, mm-hmm. but it's it's their choice. I'm along for the ride. I'm going to check it out, keep reading, but I, I do think it was strange. Yeah, I mean, my I have kind of this... I really liked Amazing Spider-Man 700, and mm-hmm. I, I liked the... Um, you know the moments, moments of it, like the action. I liked the idea of it. I, 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 I like seeing Peter struggling uh, to try to figure out a way, and his his scramble, and um, kind of his admission at the end. You know, when he jumps Otto's body out of the window, he goes, "Even if this works, even if we switch back, I can't be Spider-Man anymore. I knew Otto would die mm. when I when I jumped his body yes. out of this window, and I can't I can't be Spider-Man, and and have let that happen. So I thought that stuff was really good. I thought the idea of Making Otto experience all of Peter's 
memories, the stuff that made him Spider-Man was a really clever way to go about it. And it, you know, gave this impression that Otto was going to then try to be a better person and that he wanted to be a hero. He'd be a better hero, but he was still going to, with that burden responsibility put on top of him, that he would, that he would be trying to be a, a genuinely good person and get a second chance at what he was doing. Yeah. You know, my problem with the end of Amazing Spider-Man 700 is for all of the the whole blue about what was going to happen, I, I I felt like it in the end it's not that big of a, a deal. He's still Peter, like it's still Peter Parker. I mean, he has different consciousness in his head, but there's so many outs in that situation. Yeah. In the Marvel universe, this is an easily fixed problem. You know, it, it it's just it it's still Peter. He's, a lot of his memories are are already in there. Otto had to experience all of these memories. Right. So there's so much of Peter left that I found it almost disappointing that it didn't go farther from you know what I well, thought it was going to do. If I my I was going to I forgot to mention this before. One of the things about Superior Spider-Man and I know that we just got started, but it feels more like an event to me than a new era of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. especially with the end yeah. of Superior Spider-Man with, you know, I'm just going to call him Ghost, Ghost Peter. Yeah. Because it took me a second to realize that that wasn't what it was. Like, I'll I'll admit it. Yeah, the first yeah. time I saw it, I was like, oh, crap. I'm like, really? He's a ghost? <laughs> and I, I've come to the conclusion that's his consciousness. But yeah. still, I said, are you really going to introduce the idea of a, of a representation of the old Peter Parker saying, I'm going to try to get back into, into my head in the very first issue that you were almost kind of retconning your own big deal? Yeah right away mm-hmm. uh and that's where the trust comes in i mm. i trust that he knows what he's doing and that i don't have all the answers yet because it's only one issue yeah and i agree i totally I, the, calling it feeling more like an event i think is spot on because it it's to me the idea of Otto being in peter's brain doesn't feel like a sustainable story anyway and now i'm not the writer that dan slot is mm-hmm. so i do not know you know what he has planned but that seems it seems like a gimmick to me more than something you base a book around Right. I think one problem is that without some semblance of Peter, the sleaze factor of Otto being who he is is yeah. not going to be sustainable month yeah. after month. People, I don't think they'll abandon the book. They'll abandon liking the book. Yeah. Maybe that's why he brings Ghost, uh, Ghost Peter in so quickly. Yeah. Because he knows, maybe he was writing it. Maybe he got maybe he got to issue three or four ahead and realized that it wasn't working without some semblance of Peter there. And I mean, that the, my problems with Superior come down to just the, the, the fact that well, first of all, I felt like in Avenging, they automatically abandoned that Otto trying to redeem himself thing. He just seems mean. Yeah. And then it, Superior, it kind of continues. I mean, he is trying to be a superhero. He's not trying to commit crimes. You know, he is doing stuff that helps Yeah, but people. everything that he's doing, he's complaining about it. Yes. Like, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess I got to do something about this. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean... Yes. It just see if if the Peter Parker aspect of him is only going to come into play when we need that nagging voice in his ear to not do something. I don't really think that that's a strong way to use the character. I don't see why. I don't know. It doesn't seem like Otto knows that's what's going on. It seems like it's almost like a separate thing, where because he doesn't realize that there's something. He you know he says I was gonna kill him, but I didn't. He doesn't realize why. So. I think that could be interesting kind of things to go forward. Mm-hmm. 
my problem is, and I wrote this in my review, is that it's not that I, I don't need Otto to be the best guy in the entire world. I don't need to like him, but I do need to like reading about him. Whether it is I dislike right. him so much that it's crazy and, uh, you know, um, it's kind of like uh, in the fifth Harry Potter book, the Umbridge character. Yeah. She's one of the most horrific characters I've ever read, but she's so much fun to read because she's just so bad that you love reading about her. And he's in this weird middle ground where he's a little bit creepy, you know, he, he he's, complains a lot, and... I don't get the hook to why I want to read about this guy, you know, which is why, you know, this is a interesting turn for uh, Dan Slott to make, but which is why I was kind of hoping it was going to be another, another hero taking up the mantle of Spider-Man. I mean, sure. you know, uh, we, we talked about on the show, the fact that, you know, Miguel from Spider-Man 2099 is going to be coming into Superior Spider-Man at some point. That would have been a really cool decision to have him be Spider-Man for a while, you know. So, I, I and again, inducing Ghost Peter so quickly, it feels like they're going to end this relatively fast, as you know, That's... with Otto being Spider-Man. Yeah. And then why is it still going to be called Superior Spider-Man? Are they just going to end Superior Spider-Man early and then go back to Amazing? Is that what this is all about? Well, five or six months in, that sounds really gimmicky, but you know, who knows? Possible. Um, I will say this. I think the art is beautiful. I think that the Ryan Stegman art is great. And I, I love the representations of the characters. I loved even the little emotional beats. I uh, I love the subtle ways he makes Peter's face look evil, even though he's not really doing anything overtly uh, evil. Mm-hmm. And I thought the action was great, too. Um, mm-hmm. So that's... A, and there are, there are things I like. I liked the science in it. I liked that... You know, even though Peter is very smart, obviously Octavius is smart in a different way and he goes about things a different way. He's ruthless, still. He's ruthless. So, you know, the way he captures this new Sinister Six, which I thought was kind of entertaining and yeah. funny because uh, there are the, all these heroes you don't know at all, you know, these <laughs> lame heroes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought that stuff was really inventive and cool and I, I always like to see characters being smart in the books. So it was that was fun. Um, but I just have no idea where it's going. So that's that's my biggest issue with it, and not don't know where it's going in a good way, like the Morning Glories way, mm-hmm. where you know, I have no idea what's gonna happen. It's so <laughs> exciting, you know. I don't know. I don't understand how this is gonna turn into a book I want to read every single issue. We just gotta see. We gotta see, and he has earned the right to to develop a story. Yeah. He's written too much good stuff for me to abandon after one issue. It's just it, it it's not a promising start to me. Hmm. That's the thing. Ghost uh, Peter reminds me of Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> he does look like Jiminy Cricket. Oh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> the one thing I'll say is I'm happy about Ghost Give Peter being back whistle. is that I don't think I realized until I read this issue how much I would just was going to miss Peter being in the book. Hmm. You know what I mean? So when he shows up and he's being Parker, it... It, you know, it, it made me a little bit happy to have that voice back in the book. But, I mean, we'll have to see. But uh, does anybody have anything else I want to say about Mm-mm. any of the Spider-Men's books? <laughs> no, we we do have some uh, stuff coming. We've seen there's a cover being teased where he's fired from the Avengers. Yes, that, the, the big storyline coming up. Yeah. So that'll be cool to see why he gets fired from the Avengers. Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some big stuff coming up. So I, I'm definitely going to stick with it. But I think that it's interesting too because 
all these people online were like, oh, I, I was so angry after Amazing Spider-Man 700, but now after Superior number one, I'm, I'm, I feel okay. Is that just yes. because Peter pops back up at the end? Is that wh- why maybe the online seems to be assuaged of their hate for a, a week? Might be. The internet it's, is filled with interesting people. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to decipher too much. Yeah, too much logic onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I so, run into a couple of roadblocks every day. <laughs> I go, why? <laughs> so that's uh, our talk about uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700, Superior Spider-Man. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts, please email us info at talkingcomicbooks.com or at talkingcomics on Twitter and let us know what you think of these books. Um, So uh, that's it for the show and we will see you guys next week.